Blog Talk Radio. Glam more, fear less. Tidy's late night. thing either. Hey, divas and dudes, are you ready? Because I'm ready to welcome you to our special podcast on sex, love, lust, and diabetes. That's right. I'm your host, Mr. Divabetic, and all the outreach at Divabetic for the last 10 years has been totally free. You know, tonight we're going to broaden the appeal of, of diabetes educational outreach by showcasing the music of superstar Jennifer Lopez, courtesy of Sony Music. So in between all my interviews with these fabulous guests I'm about to announce, you're going to hear cuts from her greatest hits. Make sure you check out Jennifer Lopez's music at iTunes. Tonight on my show, I am so excited to have, she's a certified diabetes educator of the year. She's also my big hero. It's Janice Rosler. We're going to have best-selling romance novelist Lisa Eugene. I just put down her novel, Grayson, Steamy. Uh, Jennifer Martzloff, she's from Trig Laboratories and the makers of Wet Lubricants. And real-life diva Jessica from Cincinnati is back. I can't wait. Now, you know, Jennifer Lopez is an actress, a singer, a fashion designer, a businesswoman, a judge, and a mother who, in her mid-40s, is bringing sexy back in a big way. Her body of work is inspiring us to talk about how to treat blood sugars in the bedroom. What effect a diet rich in burgers and fries has on what's going on between your thighs, why all lubricants aren't equal, and how to talk to your doctor about sexual wellness issues. You know, judging by the weekend's box office, it seems to me that I'm not the only one interested in talking about sex these days because the movie Fifty Shades of Grey made over $81 million at the box office. You know, it's hard to believe that it's been more than a decade since the movie Basic Instinct or Disclosure heated up the box office with those sexually charged big screen fantasies. So if we're talking about it and we're watching it, how many times are we actually doing it? Well, I did a little research and I found out that at WebMD, the frequency of sex among married couples depends on how old they actually are. Uh, the surveys looked at sex lives of married people by age, and they found out that between 18 and 29, married people have sex 112 times a year, or a little over twice a week. 
between the ages of 30 and 39, couples had sex 86 times a year or about seven times a month. Between 40 and 59, that's a pretty big stretch, uh, they have sex 69 times a year. I wonder if that's a pun or not. And that's a little under six times a month. So it appears that sex declines further as couples get older. Although frustrated married people can romanticize that the sex lives of their swinging singles, studies show that married people have more sex than six, uh, than single people. Whether you're one month into a casual relationship or 10 years into a committed one, intimacy is fluid and personal. Our libidos aren't static, and tons of things from medications, which we'll be talking about tonight, to expectations and fantasies affect our desires. For me, there's not one correct frequency of sex. I, I just think, as we've always said at Divabetic, we're, one size doesn't fit all. We're all different, and all of our relationships are so different. The key, I think, to any good relationship, personally, is communication. If you're able to talk, you have to be able to talk about what your wants and needs are, along with what your partner desires and what their wants and needs are. And you also have to be able to address some of the problems you might be having in the bedroom, not just as a couple, but maybe actually seek professional help and be able to talk uh, to your doctor, your therapist, without embarrassment about what's going on so you could come to some solutions. I hope tonight's podcast, Don't Let Diabetes Kill Romance, will help empower you to glam more, fear less, in and out of the bedroom. Now, before we get things started, let's take a minute to donate to Divabetic. It's our 10th anniversary at divabetic.org. Remember, your tax-deductible contributions are greatly appreciated. Stay tuned to meet my first guest, but first, we're going to hear another song from Jennifer Lopez. You know, I just choreographed a new workout to this song, which I'm going to make, which is going to make its debut at uh, Love on a Two-Way Street, which is going to be in Philadelphia this weekend. It's Saturday, the 21st at 10 a.m. at Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia. The Divas and the Dudes are going to be getting down to this song. With Listen, you. I ain't never met a man like that. No. I ain't never felt a fall so fast. Don't Let Diabetes Kill Romance podcast tonight. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick. And you know, a lot of people refer to diabetes as 50 shades of sexual dysfunction because it could lead to vaginal dryness and and erectile dysfunction, as well as a lack of desire. My first guest has written several books on the subject and has helped bring couples closer together by being, being able to talk about their problems and issues confidently and securely. Please welcome author, radio host, and certified diabetes educator of the year, Janice Rosler. Hi, Janice. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm heating up here in the in the studio, that's for sure. I can tell. I can tell. I heard your introduction, and I'm thinking, I've been married 26 years, so how many times am I supposed to have sex? I have to... Uh... How old are you think guys? How old am I? I'm 56. Okay, so you're having it 60 to- 69 times a year with a wink there and a There you go. Teeth. There you go. I'll have to remind my husband and maybe get off the phone or get off the show early. <laughs> yeah. So. By all, and take care of that. That would be a, that's what, <laughs> Take that. care of that. Absolutely. All right. Now, you've written, you wrote a wonderful book, Loving and, um, Living and Loving with Diabetes. You have two books out. Uh, and then you have his and hers about sex and diabetes. 
Well, actually, I have four books, but two are specifically on sex. Um, that's Sex and Diabetes, which is the newer one, and then the one you mentioned, Living and Loving with uh, Diabetes, the, guy, so, you know, the Secrets of Living and Loving with Diabetes. All right, so for, let's first, Janice, talk about some of the issues people might be experiencing for both men and women who are living with diabetes around uh, sexual wellness issues. Uh, let's start with women because it's diabetic. So what what might a woman experience who has diabetes? Okay, well, first of all, a woman who has diabetes may have vaginal dryness, may have changes in her interest level, her libido. She may have pain during intercourse. Um, she may have um, just, uh, um, you know, uh, that. I mean, if we're talking about the whole variety of things, we've also got vaginal issues, um, you know, infections and things like that, because when you're Blood glucose levels too high, you have a higher risk for getting yeast infections, and that can certainly interfere with with uh, your sexual activity. So there's a lot of things, but with women, we find that a big piece of it is emotional. Uh, we, you know, we we worry about how we look. Sadly, there's so much emphasis on on body image, and if you are taking injections, insulin injections, or wearing an insulin pump that leaves maybe some bruising marks. You may not feel as sexual because you don't want someone to see what's gone, see the different parts of your body. So there's some self-image issues. And also if you're struggling with weight loss and you don't feel that you look sexy, that's a piece too because um, sometimes it's harder to lose weight when you have diabetes. So a whole host of things. And you mentioned communication is a big piece. Um, one thing I do want to say, a lot of doctors historically have blamed the women's sexual issues on uh, nerve damage that can, that can be caused from bl- high blood sugar levels that stayed in extended, you know, at a high rate for an extended period of time, but the research doesn't support that. Um, you know, we think, that you don't, oh, well, that you might not have nerve damage like uh, vaginally? Well, you you can have nerve damage, but that may not be the cause of any vaginal issues at all. You may have absolutely perfect diabetes control, fantastic control. You may be uh, have no no complications whatsoever, and still develop sexual complications: the dryness, problems with lubricating, the pain. And um, the big question is why. Actually, I contacted one researcher in Belgium. They're doing a lot of research there. And what they're starting to think is that it has a lot to do with hormones. It has a lot to do with uh, where a woman is in her menstrual cycle. Um, They don't have a lot of research on it, but they find that women with type 1, for example, that time period between ovulation and the next period, women, some women tend to complain that they feel more discomfort. So we've got to look at more things. The problem is the research that we had that was done on women up until about 2002 was not done well. And as you might imagine, it's harder to do research with women. Uh, you have to uh, you know, how do you tell if they're lubricating more? Do women really want to have um, tubes and electrodes attached to various parts of their body? 
uh, with men, it's much easier. You either get an erection or you don't get an erection. You know, obvious. Well, let's talk so, about men with diabetes. What are, what are the, men with diabetes? What kind of sexual wellness issues do they face? The main number one issue for men is erectile dysfunction, and that could be that they can't get uh, an erection that's hard enough to have sexual intercourse. It could be that their erection does have a satisfactory erection, but it doesn't last long enough for them to enjoy intercourse. Uh, or some, some men even ejaculate too early or, ejac- or don't have ejaculate that comes out. They, uh, you know, kind of, what do they say, shoot blanks. Uh, so they have a, a lot of issues that are around the whole um, erection piece. And uh, that has a lot to do with blood circulation and blood glucose control. And one thing we know with men, unlike women where we've got this big question mark where we're, we're really trying to figure out what the connection is, we have a lot of research that supports the connection between blood glucose control and male sexual um, function. Yeah, performance. So if in which so, way that if you so what is it if you have out of if you're you're mismanaging your diabetes that you you may have a greater risk of having a sexual erectile dysfunction. Exactly, and it's a real strong uh, connection. So if you start to improve your blood glucose control, your blood sugar control, you're more likely to see an improvement in your erections. But um, if a woman, so we, conversely, if a woman is managing her diabetes and has a lack of desire or, like you just said, personal is dealing with personal dryness or um, it seems to me from Philadelphia uh, Diva Better Club it's mostly a lack of desire, that might right. not change even if she has better numbers. It all depends. Right. It may not change if she has better numbers. There are things she can do. I don't want women to think that there's nothing they can try. We know that the biggest sexual organ is the brain. And that's where Fifty Shades of Grey comes in because uh, women can use different options. And I know you've got Lisa Eugene coming on who's a, a, a romance an author, writer. A romance writer. So the whole notion of including fantasy in your sex life um, and even if it's in, – in my book, Sex and Diabetes, we give a suggestion of – a whole group of different movies women may want to view with their partners that are suggestive, that are romantic, that are that are turn-ons. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey unfortunately came out after my book, but boy, I sure would have put it in there because you've got to play, you've got to look for the romance and and allow yourself to take time to become more uh, turned on. And well, so you know, you got I, that. I, and I think that's great advice. But you know, I think of bondage, and I think of higher, low blood sugars in the bedroom, and I think that could be a little <laughs> disconcerting. So when someone is, you know, I know intercourse is like is physical activity, and a lot of times your blood sugars are going to change around physical activity. So there's definitely men and women who have diabetes who are in the bedroom may experience a higher low. Um, right. What? How do they treat that? It's important to treat it as you would any physical activity. The thing about sexual activity is you don't really want to interrupt it. You don't want to lose out on spontaneity. So what I suggest that women and men do is keep things in their nightstand, snacks, 
Um, certainly test their blood sugar before they get sexually active, and that way they can see if they might need a snack, if they're kind of going low. That way they won't uh, poop out energy-wise and, and kind of crash in the middle of the activity. Um, you can incorporate food into your sexual play. Um, in the back of the book, I've got a whole list of different aphrodisiacs and recipes with aphrodisiacs also. Um, certainly, you know, the good old strawberries and chocolate and all those things and the whipped cream, they're, you're, you're playing around and you can incorporate those things in to make sure you don't go low. And really just kind of playing, testing what works for you. I don't want to... I want women to get the message that their blood sugar control is not important because if they're feeling fatigued and less motivated, it could be because their blood sugar level is abnormal, either too low or too high. If that's the case, improving their blood sugar control will make a difference. But then there are women who have great blood sugar control and they don't see a change in their libido. For them... We've got all these different um, romantic types of solutions. And also you mentioned, which I'm so pleased that you said, um, the piece about communication and the relationship. I'm, in addition to being a diabetes educator, I'm also a marriage and family therapist. So I do a lot of couples therapy. And the, the emotional piece, feeling connected, feeling attached, having, feeling that you're really bonded with your partner is important, that he or she is there for you is really important. And if there's tension in the marriage or tension in the relationship, then it's very, you may be helped incredibly by, by seeking out uh, marriage or partner, you know, couples counseling to really help uh, strengthen the bond between the two of you. And that will enter into the bedroom as being a, a stronger unit. Well, talk a little bit about role-playing then, because, you know, in Fifty Shades of Grey, you know, if you're not seeing the movie and you're just walking by the ads, it's sending, like, this message about, you know, the power and control in the bedroom and, of course, submissive dominance. But, you know, to me, personally, as a non-professional, I, I want to just say that out loud, it seems, you know, I, I think what people are missing is there's a communication. But I'm curious to know, from your standpoint, why this bondage fantasy seems to be so popular specifically among women since they were the ones uh the more of the women were buying those books you know the 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 exit polls on the box office where more of the women were going to the movie uh do you have you seen that in your practice then you know that people are into role playing is this something that's kind of bubbling up and and becoming more mainstream i'm i'm just curious well, I think experimenting is becoming more mainstream and being open and honest that women want to play and want to have fun. And one thing about diabetes is if you have some type of medical condition, it usually puts a damper on the fun. Uh, you know, you're so concerned about what's your blood sugar and are you okay and did we do it right and are we using the right birth control instead of, Returning to fun. The bed is a playground. This is this is adult sandbox. This is where we have fun. As far as the bondage issue and all that, I think women can get a lot from fantasy, as can men. And when a woman chooses to get involved in some type of bondage situation, be it her being in control or him being in control, it's it is um, she's in control when she chooses to participate. 
So there's a strength in that when she says, I like to do this. And then if she wants to play the submissive role, that's her choice coming from uh, a sense of strength. I think whatever works for a couple works. Any person who is not comfortable with that type of role play should not be doing it and should be mentioning clearly to his or her partner that I'm not interested, this is not for me, because sex should be fun and there should be no manipulation and forcing of anyone doing anything that might be against their comfort level. It's just another thing to do, a whole different thing to explore. And, uh, you know, and and the fun of uh, trying different things. And I think that was the attraction of the book is that it – gave women an opportunity to to read this and of course i think this is one of the first books that um major books that came out when everyone had ipads so no one necessarily had to know you were reading it right so the secrecy and try to pull it out with a paper bag exactly so the whole secrecy was really set it on fire all right, well, let me ask you two questions. I want to talk about the man first. We mentioned about that diet rich in burgers, soda, and fries. You know, we have dealt with a lot of women who's, who have younger husbands, I'm going to say in the 30, um, 30 years old age range, and uh, they're having erectile dysfunction. They're living with type 2 diabetes. They're working as truck drivers, taxi drivers, bus drivers. They have to make, you know, they they rely on fast food to get them through the day. A lot of times they are having like several Cokes, French fries and burgers, and then they come home at night and and they're experiencing sexual dysfunction. You you mentioned this before, but we should just tell everyone, you're a registered dietitian, you're a certified diabetes educator. So how does a diet rich in fast foods, how could that affect a man again? Because I I just want to make this point clear, because I know this is something that's frustrating uh, for the couples. Absolutely. Well, let's look at what those foods contain. They're high in fat, you know, foods that are fatty, the foods that are fried, and the foods that are processed. And what we know is that diets that are low in vegetables and fruits and are high in the fatty foods and the fried foods and the processed foods, they slow down blood circulation. And in order to be, have a successful sexual performance, your blood has to flow when you want it down to where you want it. And if anything is slowing down that blood circulation, it's going to take longer to have an erection. And women need blood flow also to the genital area in order to, to get a good sexual response to lubricate properly. If your blood is not circulating at the rate that it should be, then everything slows down. So those foods are just, um, you know, they're mood killers for sure. And also, uh, you know, if you think of how you feel after a real fatty meal, you feel sluggish. You kind of sit in that chair and just want to fall asleep. That is not the right mood for really exciting and uh, innovative interaction and fun. One thing we do have that, uh, that I find really interesting is the Mediterranean diet. There's been some research about the Mediterranean diet being used in uh, women and men who have type 2 diabetes, and they find that it reduces the likelihood of sexual complications, and it also can improve sexual complications. So that What would diet, be some of the foods on the Mediterranean diet? 
The Mediterranean diet is higher in vegetables and whole grains, heart-healthy nuts and oils like olive oil, fish. There's a, more of an emphasis on fish. And, um, and a small amount or a, a moderate amount of wine, especially red wine, that, uh, that you can have throughout the week. What we find is the Mediterranean diet decreases inflammation, and it helps with that blood flow because it's really a heart-healthy diet. And it helps with a lot of, a lot of other issues as well. A lot of great research is, is coming out with, about this Mediterranean diet. Okay, and the final question, I, I did see the statistic in um, psychology today. One-third of all American women suffer from a condition known as hypoactive sexual drive, which is defined as a persistent or reoccurring, reoccurring uh, deficiency or absence of sexual fantasies and thoughts or lack of interest or desire in sex. Now, my thing is a lot of the women at the Diva Better Club in several different cities are over the age of 40 and they really it's sex is something they just don't want to they they don't care they could care less about they don't really want it i mean if you're not with a partner I, you know it just seems like it's more common than we think of but i'm just wondering like what do you say to someone in your counseling if they really do have a lack of desire i would ask them to look at their entire their life as a whole one thing is that women are incredible multitaskers and we hold ourselves to very high level of uh, superwoman-ish-ness, I guess. We want to be everything to everybody. We want to do everything. And it's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. And when you have a lot of facts and figures running through your minds, when you have a lot of appointments you have to get to and carpools you have to drive um, and projects you're working on, you don't have enough energy left for sex, and sex really becomes very secondary. It gets off the front burner. So I would ask a woman to first take a look at her life. Is she getting enough sleep? Is she exhausting herself? The busier you are, the less likely you're going to have time to romance and, and, and think about the sexual piece because your energy, you only have a limited amount of energy. So that's, that's one piece. Another thing is women who don't have partners, we need to continue to remind our bodies to be sexual. And I encourage women to participate in self-pleasure and masturbation because it reminds your body how to lubricate. lubricate. It reminds your body how to feel sexual. It keeps, you know, the whole thing of if you don't use it, you lose it. And uh, even women who are in a partnership of some sort, if she's not having orgasms, if she's not responding uh, in, in as exciting a way as she wishes she can, sometimes you have to remind yourself how to do it. You have to, re, you have to reacquaint your body with feelings. And so that's a huge piece, too, is to um, make sex and sexual activities a priority. And a lot of women don't do that, so it ends up you know, way down on the shopping list. Great discussion. Thanks for being on the show, Janice. Tell everyone how they could find out more about you and your books. Well, I, I, um, the books are, the Sex and Diabetes book is published by the American Diabetes Association, so they can find it there. And also I have a special discount, uh, 20% discount for anyone who's listening. I know you put it on your blog, and they just need to contact the American Diabetes Association and use the code Diabetes. Di- what we were using, diabetic? What is it? Diva better. Diva better. 
Divabetic, everybody. D-I-V-A-B-E-T-I-C. Yes, so that's the that's a special code only for those of you who are listening. All um, right, so I love it. Hey, Janice, you know Jennifer Lopez recorded the next song from her deb- on her debut album on the Six in 1999, and it was written by Gloria Estefan, who felt the song was too similar to her previous material, so she passed it on to Jennifer Lopez. But we were just talking about communication, so I thought this would be a great song to play. people having sex are either in the movies or in between the pages of your favorite romance novel. Well, we're about to find out the truth because my next guest is a romance novelist. She's been on the show before. Please welcome the author of Grayson, Lisa Eugene. Hi, Lisa. Hi, how are you? I'm getting loud. I'm, I'm... I had an Activator Studio audience tonight. Thank you Great. for being on the show. You heard me talking to Janice. You're also, a, we should tell everyone, you're a registered nurse as well as an author. Yes. And uh, mm-hmm. your I'm latest a book, a nurse practitioner, excuse me, um, like mm-hmm. Neva White, who's the head of the Diva Better Club in Philadelphia. Uh, your latest book, Grayson, uh, is very sexy. We've got a college-age student who's romancing a 40-year-old man. Um, and they're both they're both very hot. And, uh, you know, I was reading this book, and I honestly told you before the show, as a man in his 40s, I don't have ejaculations like Grayson does, but that's part of the fantasy. So I'm just curious, because the last time you were on the show, Lisa, we talked about how some of these novels actually inspire conversation between their um, the patients and their health care providers to kind of begin a more active conversation about dealing with a sexual uh, health issue. Um, and and tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Um, I worked uh, at an OBGYN office, and um, talking to your healthcare worker about sexual issues can one of can be one of the most difficult things, not just for women, but for men also, because in general we just don't talk about sex, although it can be a huge, huge part of our lives. Um, the biggest thing I always say before you come to a visit, if you have some issues, prepare before the visit. You can bring in a list of the medications that you're taking because sometimes your medications may impact your sexual function. As far as diabetes, you can also bring in a chart with your blood sugars so your clinician can take a look at that. And also just keep track of your period, what your period is like, the dates the dates of your period when it started, and also what time of your cycle do you feel the sexiest or what type what time in your cycle do you do you not feel sexy at all? And all of these things impact how you feel about yourself sexually and the things that you can talk to your healthcare worker about. Um, do the do your homework before you go to the doctor. A lot of my patients go on the internet and I tell them take everything with a grain of salt. If you find something that's interesting, write it down, bring it in, and we will talk about it. A lot of patients tend to self-diagnose, and it can lead to a lot of false information and also some hysteria because what you read on the Internet is not always true, as we all know. Um, writing things down is a great way for them to uh, just remember the things that, they're gonna, that they want to talk about 
bring the notes in, write down things on index cards, and don't be afraid to share information. And don't be afraid to go into details. A lot of my patients, you know, they get embarrassed. And, of course, it's a subject, like I said, that we, we, we have some, we're not comfortable always talking about. But remember, we have heard it all, especially working in an OBGYN office. We hear so many different things from different patients, and it's a non-judgmental environment. So don't be afraid that you're going to be judged. We have heard it all before. Whatever topic is on your mind, you bring it up. And if you are concerned about it, it is always important. That's all right. Well, I have a topic. I'm not afraid. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about orgasms. I mean, you read the orgasms in your books and everyone else's and see them in the movies. And for women... Orgasms just seem out of control in in books and movies. Do you ever have women asking about uh, why their their orgasm doesn't seem to equal what they're seeing on the big screen or reading in between the pages of their favorite book? Oh yes, yes, always. Patients and and are time, multiple orgasms even achievable? Oh, yeah. So what do you say to women about that? Um, well, some women will come in and they wonder, they think something's wrong with them because they don't have multiple orgasms or they're not screaming, you know, screaming the roof off. And you have to remember that what we read in novels, what we see on the big screen, is it's not necessarily reality. Orgasms feel differently to different people. And you have to measure what your satisfaction is and how satisfied you are with your orgasms. They're not always going to be so huge that you're screaming the roof off. Sometimes it may be that way, and sometimes it's not. But you have to be aware of your body and how your body feels and how your body reacts to sex. And it's, uh, you know, I tell them it's a fantasy. What you what you read in the romance novels and what you see on the big screen, it's great as far as stimulating your sex drive and getting you aroused, but it doesn't always depict reality. So that's really something I tell patients to keep in mind. It's just kind of, and it, it seems like it comes down to communicating your needs. So if a, if a woman, you know, you heard me talking to Janice Rosler a little bit earlier. If you're not really in the mood and your partner wants to have sex, what kind of advice do you have about helping someone kind of, you know, chart, get in the mood? Oh, we come across this situation all the time, and we always say it's getting your groove back. How do you get your groove back? And, you know, it's all about sexual arousal. And as Janice talked about earlier, with all the things that life throws at us or a busy schedule or children working and just multitasking, sex sometimes tends to be on the back burner. And really it's all about putting the focus back on sex, realizing that it is an important it's an important part of your health, and it's an important part of your sexual wellness. And the advice that I give is figure out your own body. Figure out what arouses you, and figure out what, what you can do to build up to that moment where you actually do have sexual intercourse. As Janet said, the biggest organ, the most important organ is actually the brain. That is where sex happens, and sometimes, and for women, you go, they don't go from zero to 60 in, in one second. It takes a while. So there's certain things that they can do. Um, masturbation is great. That can build up sexual excitement. Also, masturbating and not having an orgasm. If you have a, a date plan, you can make yourself all hot and bothered, and then when the time comes when you actually have sex, you'll have a heightened sense of arousal. Certain things like a Brazilian wax can also help. It can make a woman feel very sexy and also make the area feel a little bit more sensitive, and some women tend to, to really like that and really like the feel of that. But isn't that a health issue, too, with the Brazilian wax sometimes? Don't you ever have women coming to the office who've experienced a bad Brazilian? 
it, that can definitely happen. You have to find a place that's safe and a place that is, you know, that that you can trust. How would you, you even to. know that though? Like that would be something like Janice was saying. You don't want to. You want to read Fifty Shades of Grey on your iPad. I, I mean, what do you call right. up a Brazilian wax place and say, "How safe is your Brazilian wax?" I mean, how would you even lot, know where to go for a safe Brazilian wax? Right. A lot of places have reviews, so reading reviews can be good. And even just speaking to your friends where they've gone. You know, you can get advice, you can get referrals. That's always very good. I wouldn't just pick a place online or, you know, open the phone book and walk into a place. But you, you want to look at a place that's been established, a place that's been around for a long time, a place that has a good reputation. Because you're right, you want to definitely be um, careful where you go. Okay. All right. Well, you, and, know, you know, Jennifer the- Lopez performed at the at the World Cup in Brazil. She was recently mm-hmm. labeled a cougar, but she ha- and she doesn't like that title, but she's dated a lot of younger men. So here's a woman in her 40s who's dating men half close to half her age. Madonna would be a third of her age, but uh, we're going to stick to Jennifer Lopez. What do you tell mm-hmm. women in their 40s who start to have active younger sexual partners? What do I tell them? I say go for it. Why not? As long as you are having safe sex and it's consensual. But are there anything to consider besides going for it? I mean, like that's a you know, you know, if they're dealing with any kind of issue, what do you tell those women? Um, you know, it really depends on the issue and it really depends on the mindset. They have to be very comfortable with you know, cougars. It's women in their forties or older. Sometimes it can be as young as thirty-five, and it's it's getting involved in a sexual relationship with a younger man. And if a woman at that age have a heightened sex drive and um, she's having wants to have sex frequently with a partner who, you know, they're having consensual sex, there's, you know, nothing wrong with that. If there are issues around the sex, then communication is important. Communicating to your partner what you want, what's important to you, that's, you know, that's also a big thing. Not just being a cougar and dating a younger man, but... Because you're in different stages of your life, you may have different expectations. So as long as that is upfront and that you know that that is um, understood at the very beginning, then the relationship starts off on a positive note, rather than two different generations per se having different expectations in the relationship. Well, sexual frequency seems to be one of those things in life that people either feel very confident about or completely insecure about. And I'm sure, like you're talking about the cougars or just your patients, there's got to be a lot of speculation about, am I having sex enough or we're not having sex enough or I should be having more or less sex, right? Oh, we we hear that a lot. Where Or sometimes the partners, there's a discrepancy. You know, a husband may feel they're not having enough sex and the wife may feel that they're having plenty of sex. So, again, communication is really important, being on the same page and reaching a point where both, both individuals are satisfied. So enough sex is very subjective. It's what you feel comfortable with. If you go for long periods of time, you may find that you have less of an interest. But keep your body, you know, keep your body active. Exercise is really important. Your medical health is really important with your arousal and keeping and uh, feeling and having a sex drive. So all those things are really important to consider. But whether you're having enough sex or not enough sex, that's very individual. It really is, and it really comes down to your comfort level and for you and your partner and communicating and figuring out what is enough for both of you where you can both be satisfied. All right, so now let's just wrap up and talk a little bit about Fifty Shades of Grey. What did you think of that movie? Um, you know, it was a great movie, and I enjoyed the book, and I enjoyed the movie. And 
a lot of I've gotten a lot of emails since this started, and you know it's not really just about BDSM. It's it's very psychological, and I call it a modern contemporary fairy tale. It really it's about this billionaire who sweeps into this ordinary girl's life, sweeps her off her feet, he's jetting her around in his helicopter and lavishing her with with gifts. And and it, it's a fairy tale. It really is. It's a fantasy, and it's almost a romantic idealism. So. This this movie exploded, and it's done a lot for women as far as their arousal, as far as communic- them communicating what their expectations are and what they want in the bedroom, and um, also just reaching outside your comfort zone and maybe asking for things or thinking about things that you normally wouldn't think of. And as long as it's consen- consensual, um, you know, I, I really think it's, it's a great movie as far as opening up a dialogue with women and with their partners and just talking about sex, which is something that traditionally we, we really don't see. So I think it's, it's done great for women in general and for our society in general as far as being more expressive about sex and expressive about, you know, what we're feeling and what we desire in the bedroom. Well, and I think your book, Gracing, kind of does that as well because it comes from that standpoint of the uh, the heroine is the college-age girl who's kind of, who dated a, a man in her life who she was she wasn't quite sure of, and then he actually kind of aggressively went after her one night after having too many beers and uh, beers <laughs> drinks, and then ultimately she finds someone much older to kind of become involved with. So tell everyone a little bit about Grayson before we end up. But first, your author Lisa Eugene. People could find out more about you. Have more books than just Grayson. What is your website, Lisa? Um, it's LisaEugeneBooks.com. Okay, so Grayson, just I kind of gave a little bit of it, but tell a little bit about this book because it is enjoyable read. I think people would enjoy it. Great, um, Grayson. It's it's a romance novel. It really I like it because it really delves into traditional into traditional romance. Um, the two, uh, the heroine and the hero, they don't just dive into bed. There really is a buildup of their relationship, of her getting to know him. And as you, you know, Grayson is schizophrenic, so it also deals with the psychological aspect of two people communicating and, and just sharing a bond where they have to develop trust in their, their relationship before they fall into the bedroom, where they develop a comfort level with each other before um, before anything sexual happens. So it's really about um, developing a relationship. These, these two people, even though there is a big age difference, you see that love can transcend that. And then the end is really about how she helped Grayson um, come out of a shell and learn to yeah. trust her, and they develop a relationship, which is which is mutually satisfying and fulfilling for both of them. And of course, they live happily ever after, right? That's how these. Yeah, no, I love that. It. It's great. So it's and it's great. great to have you on the show again, Lisa Eugene. Sure. You know, thank I don't you. know if you know this, Lisa, but Jennifer Lopez is the only woman to be voted twice FHM sexiest woman in the world. We're gonna have we're gonna, we're gonna have another song, which I think would be a perfect theme song for Grayson. You better have the right lube. And then we're going to be talking to my next guest. She works for Trig Laboratories. They're the makers of wet lubricant. Please welcome back to the show, Jennifer Martzloff. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Max. You're back. <laughs> yes. Um, you've been listening in. You know, I got I posted something on the blog. I want to jump right into this um, about 
extra virgin oil being used as a lubricant. And I sent it to you this morning because someone wrote to me on the blog about it. What are your feelings about someone using extra virgin oil as a lubricant? We never recommend putting food products in in the vaginal cavity just because you never quite know if it's going to be rancid or not. Um, olive oil does spoil and it can harbor bacteria. It grows bacteria. It doesn't have any kind of preservative system in it. So um, we just recommend using something that has passed some kind of testing um, in terms of cytotoxicity and um, and and like a hypoallergenic testing instead of using a food product. I love it. All right. So so now we should get back to the lubes. And, you know, uh, Janice mentioned earlier people don't are embarrassed to get Fifty Shades, so they're reading it on their iPad. A lot of women are embarrassed to go into the drugstore and buy a lubricant. So I think a lot of times they just grab what's ever um, quickest on the shelf just to get it over with. And they really shouldn't do that because there is not all lubes are created equal, especially for women with diabetes. So when women with diabetes are looking at personal lubricants, uh, what do you recommend? We recommend something that is silicone-based. So we have a product called Wet Platinum. It's our bestseller. It's going to be much longer lasting than a typical drugstore lubricant because it's not water-based. When you have a water-based lubricant, the water evaporates, meaning that it dries up quickly, um, and it has a tendency to get sticky, whereas the the silicone-based like Wet Platinum is not going to get sticky, and it's going to sit on top of the skin, and it's going to form a nice coating, which which will um, just help to reduce the friction a lot longer. Versus what a wet a water based lubricant? A water based. So you want to pick up wet platinum, which is available at the drugstore, and you can also um, do your research online because that's discreet. You can you can look around for the lubricants that would work the best for you. Now, how about these hot lubricants? Like you could get, um, you know, people want to heat up things in their bedroom, so they might want to get one of those um, heating. You know, you see commercials for heating and cooling lubricants now. Correct. Correct. The warming and cooling products you can experiment with, and I do want to touch on some communication and experimentation if we have, if we have time, but um, the warming and cooling lubricants are okay, I believe, for foreplay. You don't probably want to use them, especially if you have sensitive skin, for intercourse. So if you want to use them on the nipples, if you want to use them on the clitoris, just to, just to be arousing, but to actually use them for intercourse, if you have sensitive skin, is going to be kind of disastrous. Could be. I love that. Okay, that's, mm-hmm. kind of a, that's yeah. a good thing. All yeah. right, so how about um, – uh, there's so much to talk to you about tonight. I know. All well, right. can I touch on the communication and the consent and the experimentation, which we've Absolutely. already touched on a little bit? But I want to give your listeners a tool for for how you can kind of delve into fantasy life. And there are these things on the Internet. You can Google them. It's called a yes-no-maybe list. So you can look that up on Google anytime, and you'll find several of them. And what the yes-no-maybe list is, is it's a list of things that you can tell your partner, yes, I would like to give these things to you. And then you make another list that is, yes, I would like to receive these things from you. And on the list, it could be oral sex. It could be using ice cubes. It could be using wrist restraints. So it's a way to communicate with your partner and to kind of figure out what you like and what your partner likes. Um, it's a way to give consent ahead of time so they're not springing something on you. And it's a way to experiment with things that you've never done before. 
So that's so it's my... a great way to really lift up the uh, to begin the communication and know that when you're watching something like Fifty Shades of Grey or looking at Madonna's old sex book, that there was a mutual discussion ahead of time and people were in a, have safe words and are in a safe environment when they choose Correct. To, do, to explore these things, right? Correct. And the safe words are really important. So if you are engaging in some kind of play that's a little bit beyond your comfort zone and you're not um, – you're not comfortable with it, you have a a predetermined word that you can tell your partner that doesn't exactly interrupt what you're doing, like saying no, 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 because sometimes no, no, no means yes, yes, yes. But you could say like peanut butter or something like that, where it's it's out of the context of what you're doing, um, yet it's a clue for your partner to know to stop. Okay, and I, I want to go back one more time back to the lubricants, but I love that advice. Just talk about a little bit. If women are, have diabetes and they might be more prone to a yeast infection, are they using a glycerin or a water-based um, lubricant, or is one better than the other? It really depends on the person. We usually recommend using a silicone-based like wet platinum instead of a water-based, which typically contains glycerin. But So you want to really... avoid glycerin if you're living with diabetes? Perhaps. it's It really depends on the person. It kind of takes some experimentation to figure out what works best for you. What would, I mean, so just because of the the, the la- lasting of the platinum, and the, mm-hmm. would that be one of the determining factors, or what else would you find? I'm just curious. Like what would... In terms of um, being prone to Why you would infections? choose one over another if, it's, if you're experimenting with it, just to find out if you're more comfortable with it? So the the... Platinum with silicone-based, which it sits on top of the skin. It doesn't absorb into the skin. It's much less likely to cause any kind of reaction, and there's nothing that could be nutritive to yeast in the formula. So we recommend starting with that one, and it's much longer-lasting, so it's just a it's a better lubricant overall. And you could rub, you could use this as a, a, a massage oil too, right? Can't you use Absolutely. platinum lubricant for this? Yes, I'm sorry. and it's water, it's waterproof too, so you can use it in the shower as long as you're careful, don't spill it on the floor. But you can use it in the shower, you can use it, the only thing you can't use it with is um, silicone toys. So if you have a very expensive silicone toy, use a water-based product. We have a wet original that's a great water-based product. So if product. you're using dildos or something like that, you would you would switch? Correct. As long as they're, well, if it's a silicone dildo, which we recommend just because it's a little bit healthier than the, the rubber ones. Oh, well, and it'll, Janice told us we should all be masturbating, so that's great advice for the divas yes, tonight. Yes, please masturbate. You know, this oh, only happens once way. a year on a podcast. If I can't say vaginal dryness, masturbation, and ask about <laughs> dildos, who can, listeners? And if you're having a problem with that, email me on Facebook. I'd love to get your messages. Um, we also we're, we should talk about condoms, too, and how condoms interact with lubricants, because we do promote safe sex on this program. So how do, based on that information, are there certain condoms you should be looking for? Are there certain condoms? Uh, if you are, well, let's start. Um, and what about the condom- pre-lube condoms? Do you agree or disagree with that? I agree as long as you don't have a reaction to them. A lot of people are latex, they have a latex allergy, so they may need to find like a polyisopropene or a polyurethane condom. Um, you do need to use a lubricant with a condom because it really reduces the friction and the risk of the condom breaking. So some condoms are pre-lubricated with water-based. Some are pre-lubricated with silicone. When you buy a lubricant, you just need to make sure that on the package it says condom compatible, that it's past that condom compatibility testing. Um, and and that could be water-based or silicone-based, depending on the product. Our wet platinum is condom compatible, so you can use it with, with any kind of condom. 
I love it. And just tell us once again about the Wow Arousal Gel because I find that very exciting. <laughs> Our arousal gel is a hybrid formula, so it's water-based with a little silicone, so it's very long-lasting, but it kind of wipes away easily if you need it to. Um, it's got two vasodilators, so it brings blood to the surface of the skin. It gets it gets the clitoris nice and engorged. It just gives you a little added sensation. It's got some peppermint extract for a little cooling sensation, and you only need a little tiny bit. I love it. The good news is you're going to be sending us a coupon so uh, people could get a discount on some of these wonderful lubricants, right? Yes. So if you go to buywet.com, you can find any of the products that I've been talking about and many more. And you can get free shipping for orders over $25 if you use the code DIVABETIC through the end of February. I'm going to use it. You know, Jennifer, it's always amazing to have you on the show because I think you give like such great advice and you're so friendly about a topic that would be, I think, to most of us is very embarrassing. So it's it's lovely to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And guess what? Are you a Jennifer Lopez fan, uh, Jennifer? She's, oh, of course. Got, all right. Well, then you must love her greatest hits and this song that was co-written by Pitbull. <laughs> bummed out about having sex if you have diabetes well guess what my next guest is going to tell us what it's really like to enjoy love in a long-lasting relationship while living with diabetes please welcome jessica to the show hi jessica jessica i am here sorry how's everybody doing good uh, you've been listening in on the show. What were your thoughts on some of the things you heard tonight from Lisa Eugene, Jennifer Martzloff, or uh, Janice Rosler? It's all, I mean, so true. Living with diabetes, um, being female, all these things, they come into play. Um, I know that it's very hard personally to keep weight off, um, you know, as a diabetic. I'm always in my own head, I guess, a little too much in the bedroom. I'm worried about, is he looking at me a certain way, is he looking at my pump site? Um, Because I'm an insulin pump wearer. Is that distracting? And then, you know, heavens forbid, I'm wearing a CGM as well. That's just another piece of technology that's on me. Um, But I do agree that, you know, just because you're diabetic doesn't mean you can't be adventurous um, and that you can't explore the things that you want to do. It should be empowering because, you know, diabetes is empowering. There's a reason you have this and... um, I I love everything they all said. It was all spot on, and I learned some great things, some great tips that I'm definitely going to try and uh, use tonight. <laughs> I love it. Now, okay, so tell everyone, how long have you been living with type 1 diabetes? I have been living with type 1 diabetes for now 23 years. And how so long have you been married? Time. I have been married now for five years. And when you were first dating your husband, you mentioned you had a pump. Were you at all nervous or, con- you know, concerned about, oh, how how is my soulmate going to react to me having diabetes? I was very concerned. Um, you know, there's so many levels of the diabetic that when you date somebody, you're kind of breaking news that um, honestly could make or break the relationship. You don't know how someone's going to take that. And luckily my husband was 
you know, my my boyfriend at the time, he was very understanding, um, very accepting, wanted to learn all about it. But then you have to cross that next threshold of the bedroom. Um, and I had to find the patient lover who was going to understand that my pump has to come off, that's my preference, you know, and to work around these kinds of things. And luckily I finally found a, a good insulin pump and a good lover and husband to, you know, mend those two together. And did you ever have any um, issues with dealing with highs and lows while in the midst of passion? I have. Um, if things can get really exciting, um, sweat does not always handle well on uh, the sticky parts that hold on your insulin pumps, um, the the tape. And so I actually have lost a pump site and a pump um, in the midst of having some fun and didn't realize it. And as time goes on and you're not getting insulin delivery, it definitely spikes your blood sugar. <laughs> Oh, so you became you were unaware that it it fell out. Yeah, and you didn't really, I was yeah. so in the moment I had no idea, which is a good thing, but not good when you're diabetic. <laughs> now, do you normally keep a pump on while you're having sex, or you can take it off? I don't normally, and the reason because I love exploring, and I want to be tied up, but I don't want to be tied up by my pump. I don't want to accidentally have my hand tied around something that's a pump cord. You know, it's, I want to take it off and be in the moment, um, which you got to watch your time frame sometimes. But um, as was said earlier, you know, if you're checking your blood sugar before, maybe having a snack or maybe making sure something's on hand uh, at your bedside in case something were to happen, I feel like, you know, it's a completely safe thing to do. And what do you keep in your nightstand to avoid going low? Avoid going low. I have my gold standard of glucose tablets or gels, depending on which one I have available that I keep in my bedside. Um, and usually in our house, at least, which isn't too far away, we always have orange juice. But in my bedside is my wet lubricant and my glucose tablets so that I'm ready to go for any situation. All right. You know, this podcast is appealing to a much younger audience than we usually have. I know there's a lot, of, a lot of younger women listening with diabetes who haven't met their soulmates yet, who are really anxious and nervous about it. What would you just say to those women now who are kind of struggling with how to even go after a relationship because of their diabetes? They, they, they're not, you know, they might be nervous or a little bit fraught with the concept. I think that's such a great question. Um you know, it's really, you have to be open and honest about everything. Again, another thing that was talked about all night was communication. You have to be open and honest with whoever you're going to date or are in a relationship with about what you're feeling um, emotionally and physically with your diabetes and what they can do to help you, things they should look out for. Um, and as long as you're honest with them, um, I feel that there's no reason that they can't, you know, love you to your fullest. And if they can't support and love you with your diabetes, then that's just a sign that you shouldn't be there because, you know, I found true love that I couldn't have ever asked for. My husband, I was nervous that he wouldn't accept me as I was, and, of course, he did because we were meant to be together. That's the best message of all. Well, I want to thank you, Jessica, and I want to thank all my guests for being on the show tonight. Thank and thank you. you all for listening. Please subscribe to the Divabetic e-newsletter at divabetic.org and visit, visit our Divabetic pages on Facebook. Tune in next month when we are doing our Diaries Late Night Inspired by Carrie Underwood on March 10th with special guest, best-selling author Brenda Novak, Dr. Beverly Adler, the Charlie's Angels of Outreach, 
as well as Mama Rose Marie. Here's one more song from our Diva Inspiration tonight. Ooh la la. I 